Namaste friends, you're listening to Impact India, a podcast that deep dives into the epic stories and innovation coming from the startup scene in India, with a focus on travel, fashion, and tech. Each episode, I sit down with incredibly inspiring social entrepreneurs across the country to hear their story, learn about their initiatives, and listen to their why. Looking for the newest and coolest social impact brands in travel, fashion, and tech? Jump over to causeartist.com and join our community. Oh yeah, and I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, Director of Content at Cause Artist and Social Entrepreneur. I'm the co-founder and owner of Hada House, India's first zero-waste travel organization and hotel chain. You can connect with me on social media at Jasmine Rain. All right, no more stalling. It's time to meet India's next generation of impact influencers. Let's get it. everybody welcome to another episode of impact india i want to thank you so much for listening and for all your feedback so far it has been one whole month since i launched impact india and i was actually sitting on those first four episodes for like eight months so i'm so glad everyone has found so much value and my guests have had to share and i'm so grateful that so many people across india in the world are excited about hearing what's happening in the social impact space here in india so thank you for listening. In this episode, I connect with Darshana Gajre of Fair Trunk. Darshana and I met through Fashion Revolution at a panel discussion I moderated in Bombay as she leads their communications for the city. Darshana's enterprise connects consumers to ethical fashion brands in India and also provides consulting to fashion startups. With Lakme Fashion Week happening this week in Bombay, with a spotlight on their sustainable fashion day, sitting down with Darshan was perfectly timed as someone who has worked with the organization as Fashion Revolution, and I was able to get her thoughts about their initiatives putting sustainable fashion on the runway. Check it out. Hi, my name is Darshana, Darshana Gazre. Um, I'm based in Bombay, uh, and I basically run this enterprise trunk. Uh, we will be two years this October, so I think it's a great milestone because we are totally bootstrapped. Uh, we are still a one-person team, so it gets crazy most of the times. Uh, but yes, I mean, I decided to, um, you know, work within sustainability in fashion and lifestyle after spending the past 10 years in, uh, you know, conventional fashion and retail, doing marketing and operations and this entire subject or issue as such uh, you know it's close to my heart and I thought okay maybe let's just try giving a career to it so yeah that's how that's how it began amazing and I love that I love that everyone's story starts with like I was so passionate about this needed to do something so I started something I love it (laughs) yeah actually so you know very uh, so it is super cliche and every time I say this I go back and I just listen to it and I say okay this is like a movie movie plot (laughs) but like literally I saw this documentary called the truth the true cost um and purely by accident just you know surfing onto Netflix and I spent that hour, hour and a half and I was very, very disturbed, uh, you know, just looking at the impact of fashion and fashion is such an everyday thing. Like, you know, everybody consumes it. Everybody thinks about it. Um, and I started, you know, researching more. Uh, but yeah, like the, the main sort of a spark was like, if somebody else has to do it, then, you know, why can't I do it? Because I have been, you know, in touch with fashion. My education has been in that. So like I spent six years in educating myself about fashion. So, and and then the 10 years of working. So I think a lot of my life revolved around that. So, yeah. (laughs) Right. And you actually came from managing uh, retail stores, correct? Yes. Yes. So I guess what is the, what was it about the true cost? Because I do hear, when I hear people's personal stories about, you know, starting their fashion, uh, their, your fashion specific brands that are focusing on sustainable fashion, regardless where, where they are in the world, the true cost seems to be this massive turning point for a lot of people. And I'm curious, like, what exactly was it about that documentary that kind of pushed you to the edge with, you know, what needed to happen next and, and why you needed to kind of lead the change? Yeah. So, um, so like you said, you know, I was mostly into retail operations or marketing and branding when it came to fashion and I studied design and then I studied fashion entrepreneurship, but I was never really on the sourcing aspect of fashion, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was not really involved in the day-to-day functioning, uh, what happens in the factories or, or you know, where, where we source things from or, you know, how the entire supply chain looked like. 
but it was mostly the second half uh, of the business you know in retailing where you know we we tell people how beautiful this is and very sales driven uh, you know very target heavy that okay this season this is our target so much sales have to go in uh, you know you have to communicate your brand in a certain way that has to be customer service so the true cost was actually a lot to do with what happens behind the scenes everything uh, before the stock actually hits the stores um so i think that was something so of course in school we study the supply chain you know where we source it from and as per the books it's all about profit maximization so where do we source the cheapest how do we produce it in the cheapest possible way mm. but nobody really talks about you know what happens when we source cheaply and when we manufacture cheaply you know it's just it's just an excel sheet uh but i think what the true cost uh, has done is that it has visually taken you on this tour or in or, you know through this experience from factory to factory from a point of view of a garment factory worker um to you know people who've been talking about you know cotton cotton is is so important i mean not just in india i think worldwide it's um it is used across the board be it fashion or home decor or anything but it's such a it's such an evil crop and we never <laughs> think about it so uh, it's 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 really um i mean there's a lot that is not shown to people within the industry so i think that's why it was it was like a wake up call and the best part about um the movie also is it's it's very flat you know it's not biased in any way it it basically just puts the facts in front of you in a very non biased way and it it is it's basically open for us to you know feel how we want to feel about it so that's great it doesn't necessarily you know leave you guilty but it also puts you in this frame like i think i had i had a couple of days to like recover out of it i was like okay this is really bad and what have we been doing yeah, so sure. yeah i think you just go back and you know you just evaluate uh, reflect on all the choices that you've made your entire life and you know as a student so i was studying i was doing my masters in london and i lived on primark i literally lived on primark like it was so cheap it, i would just keep telling my friends all over that oh i got these earrings which are like a pound and this bag which is 5 pounds but even at that point i didn't question that okay how is it so cheap right. so i think that movie does a great job in just putting the facts out in the open 100% and is is that what also in, inspired you to get involved with fashion revolution like at what point did you start getting involved with fashion rev in bombay and how has that also you know impacted your work through fair trunk and and kind of you know the the conversations that are happening around sustainable fashion in in such a metropolis city right so like so after this movie actually i started off on a personal journey to you know read more about it to you know find people who have been uh you know working within this so i i bought a few books you know the handbook the sustainable fashion handbook then i started following safia mini her brand uh then fashion revolution so it was just like research 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 you know what's happening what why how who all of those questions <laughs> happened and uh, then uh, then i came across fashion revolution and i i love the simplicity in which the entire issue uh was communicated by fashion revolution it was just one question their campaign revolves around who made my clothes and i think that simple question just helps in unveiling um so many dark secrets that goes behind the scenes so i really love the way that they were communicating and um as a campaign you know they didn't really boycott uh they didn't promote boycotting of fast fashion as such but you know it just it just pushed a lot of uh, mindfulness around what we consume and you know how we consume um so i reached out i actually discovered uh, it was during fashion revolution week that april i think that would be april 2017 and um there was going to be a flash mob that uh, fashion rev had organized at bandstand that time so i was very curious so i went there um and i said okay let me see what's happening so it was fair trade and fashion rev who put together a flash mob and i saw that in the audience nobody knew what this was for right i mean mm. uh, they were wearing t-shirts that said fashion rev uh, there was who made my clothes and i just felt that no i want to be a part of this and you know help them spread the message uh, be an active member of um, the 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 movement to really do my bit so then i started writing to them and then it was nice i mean they were very welcoming 
so i started volunteering with them it'll be two years in fact now i think it is already la two years ago in august is when i started volunteering with them so the experience has been great um the though format it's it's a completely volunteer led uh campaign so all of us you know have either full time jobs or you know our businesses and then whenever we get time we contribute a little bit um uh, to fashref now that could be uh via managing communication or putting up events or um you know partnering with stakeholders within this um circuit and just pushing that dialogue across maybe consumers or brands or ngos or you know policy makers so it's been great i think there's been a lot of learning for me personally uh to because there are a lot of reports that come out from fashrev this community is great the the bunch of people are very warm and there is no secrecy you know typically when you work in a fashion uh house there is jealousy there is competition and there is like no i want to do better than you so but i think this entire community of people working in sustainable fashion all the brands that we work with um, you know as part of fashrev or as part of fashrev is well they're very forthcoming they're very you know it's it's more like a supportive community so that positivity is immense and i think it's very important to have that sort of a um, you know belong to a cause uh, because it's it's uh, it's it's a hard job you know to like literally change 100%. people's mindset Mm-hmm. about you know how much we're shopping and what we're shopping so when when everybody comes together the the amplification and the impact is just massive it's it just gives me goosebumps every time we do an event to see the turnout and to see the passion it's amazing it's truly amazing yeah absolutely i think changing the consumer mindset is probably the hardest thing to do because brands are starting to understand more about their responsibility and needing to be transparent because the conscious movement is growing but it also seems like there's still such a disconnect between you know getting consumers to understand the price of a garment garment and and its impact you know in a social economically and environmentally um regardless of where it's coming from uh, and it also sounds like you're doing a lot of work uh, to change the consumer mindset through fair trunk and i'd love to hear more about you know what you're doing on the consumer side versus the business side because i know you're doing a lot of things so um, <laughs> yeah tell us a little bit more about what you're doing for consumers and then go more into what you're doing for businesses through fair trunk sure sure so i actually we started off as uh, you know just a uh, ethical fashion marketplace uh, where we started curating brands uh, that were conscious um and it was like a platform for brands to do, for consumers to discover brands uh but sooner we realized that you know there's a because it's such a sensitive topic it's so new um and it's so gray i mean there's just no black and white when it comes to sustainability um so we started actively doing offline events uh they were very that that gave us a chance to connect with the audience um so we started doing um workshops talks uh you know we started promoting upcycling we started doing clothes swaps um so the concept of clothes swap is very alien to india right i mean second hand clothing who does that you know, we typically <laughs> we typically just like clean our closets and give it to our house help right because who else will wear it but when we started doing clothes swaps it was amazing to see uh people's acceptance to be a part of it they were very curious nobody knew how it's going to happen um but we so we've done two so far there is one upcoming now in september uh two actually happening in september um so we're seeing an increasing number of people and new faces so is it to see new faces be a part of this um so that's something on the consumer bit and we also try and talk a lot about brands you know um uh, because some brands have incredible stories uh in terms of how they source and you know how their entire um product actually uh comes together so there's a lot of information that needs to go out but we also realize that a lot of information becomes too overwhelming to the consumer as well um so i wouldn't say that we've cracked it yet we are still sort of trying to identify what is the best way to to uh, you know speak to the consumer we started doing you know instagram live sessions to open this dialogue with you know change makers across the board so it could be fashion it could be lifestyle uh, even like a zero waste uh, lifestyle influencer so you know we try and get all of those people um, do like a weekly instagram live to open that 
dialogue and you know break that barrier like it's it's okay to ask stupid questions and it's important here because so and the other thing i think which is very unique to india is we were intrinsically a very sustainable uh, country right mm-hmm. uh, hand me downs was a was the very okay thing like you know wearing your older sister's clothes or your aunt sari and stuff but i think gradually we've just you know moved away from all of that so to bring it back is not really rocket science but now the idea is to make it cool so if we just package everything that our ancestors did in like a today communication i think that should be the way to go but i wouldn't say that we've cracked it yet so it's still a trial and error but it's been amazing i think the response is been great i think the consumers connect with us at some point we do get a lot of dms about you know asking uh, about a brand or asking about an event or even for collaboration so um, with like just an organic approach i think we've been able to connect on a very human level with the consumers uh, which is yeah I think something is happening right. Something's changing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Something is definitely changing. And I think, you know, I remember uh I did I did the one of the Instagram lives with you and I thought that yeah. was super fun and it was great to have people reach out with just like, you know, I I never judge people on questions when it comes to especially zero waste living because it's such a crazy concept to even to even start imagining how you can make it happen and You know, it it's interesting to also see people in India ask questions about it since, you know, the country's always been so resourceful um, you know, just traditionally. And I'm curious, you know, why do you think uh, you know, there is such a demand now for this kind of information when India has always been this traditionally very resourceful country and, you know, what's made everybody kind of step away from that mindset and be 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 more, you know, and sorry, in value uh buying more than like thrifting and and swapping and stuff like that. Oh uh, I have the answer but a, a lot of people might just like throw stones at me but I just <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm just going to shamelessly say it I think uh, I think uh, we we are slaves to the west in one way or the other and we have always wanted to ape the west uh and we've always found things coming from the west extremely fancy so mm-hmm. there are brands that just attach maybe London or Paris or Milan as a brand name and they might be produced in Dharavi but the minute you see something like that you just feel that oh there has to be something right about this because it's coming from overseas um so i think this entire culture uh, has come from the fact that that is better and you know they know better uh but this is so boring like you know who makes ghee at home or uh you know who makes bags out of sari to go shopping for like carrying your own bag is just so boring and so grandma like <laughs> but you know and now everybody is doing that you know, the biggest example i see is those steel tiffin boxes for centuries i think we've seen our grandparents carry it but the minute tupperware came tupperware became so so cool that i remember all my schooling life i was the queen of tupperware like literally <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to quote you on that like your new nickname is the queen of tupperware <laughs> yeah and my mother also was extremely obsessed with it uh, but i think all her schooling life she's carried steel tiffin boxes and now there are these fancy american brands who are pushing steel tiffin boxes or copper water bottles you know we used to have copper uh, big cans in like our households where we used to fill water and then drink out of it but now suddenly all of that has become cool again because coming from the west so i think we are not very strong as a community to take pride in what our ancestors have left for us mm-hmm. uh, and also maybe because it's been going for so long we just sound very monotonous and boring and not cool but everything that comes from the west is just so amazing no matter what it is <laughs> so i think that is it is reality maybe a lot of us will not accept it but i think that is what it is it's so crazy to actually say that out loud because it's like okay the west is copying the east and the east is copying the west like where is the disconnect why are we not communicating about yeah. like what needs to happen strategically for conscious consumerism to be the mainstream um and and i think i see that most when i'm like in places like rishikesh or you know these or goa these places where like there's a big hippie culture coming from the west and they come and they invest all their money in these products and it's yeah. like 
it's like, it's so crazy that nobody here, like locally is seeing that and being like, okay, there is obviously a huge market for this yet, you know, mainstream brands in India are just promoting, you know, plastic, plastic products and, and, mm. you know, uh, fast fashion products that are unfortunately like made here in India and not providing enough economic opportunity or stability to the people that live and work here. Um, so I think that being said, you know, what are you doing on the business side with Fairtrunk to kind of help businesses, you know, become more responsible uh, and take, you know, take ownership and be accountable for, you know, the future of the fashion industry? Yeah, so uh, this is actually a very exciting phase where uh, we have now started like consulting services um, for emerging brands or even existing brands to make the switch uh, to being a more responsible brand. Um, so it starts right from the bottom. So there are brands or individuals or designers who basically come to us and say that I want to start a, and this is also funny. Okay. So I've had conversations with a few people, um, and I've, I've just become brutally honest. I think now in the process of, you know, just talking about sustainability and I just tell them, okay, this is not sustainable. You can't do it like that. So I'll give you an example. Good for you. I like that. <laughs> couple who came and they said okay we want to make um, sustainable denims uh, you know it has to be organic cotton or it has to have hemp in it and all of that I said okay fine so what's your target price you know how do you want to go about it have you thought about it who's your client who do you want to sell to uh, so he said uh, I want to make denims uh, that I could be able to sell at 1500 rupees I said I'm sorry boss that's not sustainable and I'm going to be extremely honest with you whether you like it or not if you don't want to work with me fine but you need to understand what is sustainable? I think even if you look at a mainstream brand, uh, even they don't sell denims at 1500 rupees and you want mm. to sell an ethical denim at 1500 rupees is simply impossible. And then I had to basically just sit him down and help him understand that why these things are slightly expensive than, you know, what we see currently in the market. And then somewhere towards the end, maybe, maybe he was not totally bought into what I was saying, uh, but he didn't understand that uh, the dynamics of why it costs a little more than that. Right. So this is basically what, uh, you know, we try and do. We try and help brands understand what circularity in fashion uh, ideally means and you know what are the parameters that you have to look at even before you actually start a brand. So, um, you know, who are are you selling to or you know what are the aspects that you really need to think about there was in fact another brand who wanted to do who wanted to um, you know make women's wear clothing and they wanted to uh, empower artisans but again they were also looking at a price point where they couldn't have made profit so I said uh, you know it's great that we want to do uh, social impact for artisans who are no longer getting that opportunity and the right way but you should also not forget that you have to be able to sustain yourself as well mm -hmm. so 100%. you know it's very important to look at sustainability uh, holistically uh, where each stakeholder or everybody in the supply chain is getting benefited out of it but you're also not ending up uh, you know sucking the blood out of the consumer so you know it's a it's a very fine balance and we we try and help brands understand this and then help them connect with people across the supply chain. Um, so it could be, uh, you know, manufacturers who are either clusters that work with artisans or there are NGOs and self-help groups or there are fair trade factories um, or there are people who, you know, want to uh, source a certain type of fabric. And a lot of these people have like small MOQs and because of that, the bigger factories don't entertain them. So we've also tried to, uh, you know, build that bridge in between these bigger factories who are not always at full capacity. Mm. Uh, and then they have that amount of lull in the year where they can take smaller quantities. So the smaller brand actually still gets access to a company that has all the certifications that are required to, uh, or that, is, that are desirable for a brand to start off, uh, but may not have access to them directly. So there's a lot of layers to it actually and we are only exploring it um, as and when we service each client because you know every brand or every individual comes up with a new challenge to us and you know we think that okay we have a great vendor base right now and then there's a new client who comes in and asks for something new so then we're again going back and say okay let's find a solution for this so uh, that's basically how our b2b bit is working and uh, it's in 
credible and for us also um, you know everything from certifications to uh, you know carbon emissions to what's happening uh, all the uh, discharges into the waterways when you talk about dyeing printing all of that is sort of uh, emerging out as new data for us every day so it's amazing it's a, it's a new learning curve and a lot of brands are very interested and to be honest we've not even started marketing this service but we've got around 100 leads who have themselves discovered us and you know have taken the effort of writing to us and asking and they're very patient also knowing that we are a very small team so which is good i think slowly and steadily everybody wants to make an impact uh, it's just that it's very ambiguous and there is a lot of greenwashing and there are still people who will say okay i'll give it to you in this price and it is organic cotton but who knows i mean once you have a t-shirt in your hand there's no way you can test it unless it has some sort of a certification from the supplier so all of these aspects you know make it very difficult um, to be honest at the end of the day hundred percent. And, and do you help them, you know, once they, you know, have a, a, a supply chain kind of set up, uh, having you, um, do kind of all the communications and liaising for them. Do you help them at all with, you know, moving forward with like branding and marketing or, yes. you know, what are the next steps in that process and what does it look like? Yeah, actually those are services as well. I just forgot to mention. Yeah. So, um, so we're not getting into marketing as such, but we've realized working with so many brands that, um, storytelling is a very important aspect when it comes to such brands, because a consumer wants to know more about the what and how. Mm-hmm. So we do help these brands, uh, you know, build a story around, uh, their brand and, you know, build certain communication around it, um, to simplify it for the consumers to understand your offering. And we're also, you know, now acting as uh, like an agent uh, to promote them to different markets, not just in India, but, you know, so we've, we've tied up with certain agencies in Germany, in the UK and in the US where they put up um, curated events to promote sustainable fashion and everybody has an eye on India and on Indian brands as well. Um, so we try and curate selected brands and, you know, we push them to certain trade shows or pop-ups. Um, the idea is to actually eventually get into, uh, get these brands into, you know, multi-brand stores or boutiques uh, in, this, in these markets. So we're still building like a system for it. A lot of these brands basically have what it takes to be in these markets. <laughs> And yeah. they will, they will do good, I think. So we just, you know, building that network of, uh, you know, stores or sales agents, and we want to maintain a total transparency in this entire transaction as well. So, um, we don't know how big or small this will be, but we definitely do see a gap at this point. Um, so we're very, very happy to work with brands existing and emerging. Uh, I think what will be really challenging is to work with a brand that has been not so responsible for maybe a couple of years and then, you know, switch them around. So mm-hmm. uh, we haven't had that sort of a t- challenge at this point, but if anybody's listening, I mean, I would be more than happy to take that up as a personal project and turn things around. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be beautiful to see more brands in India who are, you know, they've, kind of been mainstream over the last couple of years and now understand that there is a need for this in the market and to start uh, transforming the way that they operate it to, to meet more sustainability standards within the industry. Um, so yeah, I'll also do a call at anyone who's listening to this who could highly, you know, take advantage of the fair trunk services that are available. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned before because I find it really rings true. Um, actually, a few things. So the first one is that like 100%, I am seriously noticing that there's like these incredible sustainable fashion brands across the country and honestly across the world who are doing such incredible work. They're, they're really, they're, they're producing beautiful, high quality uh, uh, fashion products, but like the founders can't even like, they can't even afford to eat. You know what I mean? Like they just, mm-hmm. everything is going into making their processes as sustainable as possible and, and providing you know, economic opportunity to locals and empowering communities. But the people who are with the vision and who are doing it all don't seem to be taking home the, the, the salary that they deserve for what they're doing. And um, you know, I think a big part of that is definitely, it's like, if we can get consumers to understand, you know, how powerful their purchase is when they, uh, when they, purchase through a sustainable brand because not only are they contributing to, 
you know, uh, into environmental sustainability, but it's also social and economic. And, uh, and I'm honestly, I'm frankly so exhausted of hearing these founders and, and, and uh, entrepreneurs who are just, they're doing so much incredible work and they've been doing it for years, but they're not getting uh, sometimes recognition, but definitely not making enough money to keep it sustainable. And I you know, and hearing a brand come in and think like, I'm going to sell, uh, you know, organic denims for 1500. It's like, okay, well, where are you making money off of that? Um, hmm. So I think it's great that you just touched on that. But I also, I understand that you've also done quite a bit of work with Lacme Fashion Week in previous years, especially through uh, Fashion Revolution. And, uh, you know, I've heard some mixed reviews. Uh, I attend Sustainable uh, Fashion Day in February this year. I know another one's coming up on August 22nd. And I, I'm curious to your thoughts, whether positive or negative about it. Like I personally, and I don't mind who's listening, but I'm like, why is there only one day? That doesn't seem fair. Why are we not incorporating more sustainable fashion brands into the entire week. Um, and I'm curious, yeah, just to hear your thoughts and kind of what your experience has been working with them. Um, I don't know if it's from the fair trunk side as well, but I know you've definitely been involved with them through fashion revolution. Interesting, interesting, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so why one day? Actually, I don't know why one day, but I'll tell you what. So, um, so I've been working with that team personally as well like I know the team personally and you know we've done some projects outside of Lakme Fashion Week as well um, and I know for sure that the intent is pure um, the fact that it is only one day uh, well if you really if you really look at all the brands that are there on five days there is a lot of overlap of brands that are also you know sustainable in one way or the other uh, who are presenting on other days as well um, so if they if they want to increase it to maybe a couple of days or no is is not maybe my place to say but they're definitely trying to put in uh, a lot into this one day with a lot of amazing partnerships uh, and you know trying to make it more accessible I think the biggest um, the the biggest sort of an impact that Lakme Fashion Week is, has been able to do um, is that is to take the word sustainability into every household. Mm. And um, I mean, you remember the first time we met even at that event um, in, in Bombay where we had a panel discussion, I mentioned, and somebody spoke about greenwashing. And I always see, you know, a silver lining to it. So if, if H&M is talking about sustainability, uh, the amount of people that all of us across the world uh, as preachers of sustainable fashion would have been able to reach that mass uh, H&M has done it in one post. So maybe it's not, uh, it's not uh, 100% pure, uh, only from an H&M, H&M's point of view. But I think such bigger organizations are able to reach a bigger audience and sort of um, put that first seed of opening that conversation about what mm. is sustainable fashion? Right. You know, why is it important? Who is doing what? Because just to get that conversation started itself can be extremely painful for organizations <laughs> our size. Right. Um, so I think they are doing a great job because they have the right amount of media, they have the right amount of reach, and they they have been able to um, you know do alliances with the UN and um, you know the Khadi um, KVIC, uh, th- which is the uh, which is the KVIC is the what is it called? Khadi, the official Khadi organization for India, actually. Okay. Um, and then, then they've also done multiple projects with, you know, like um, Usha, which, who makes the sewing machines. So they have done uh, projects with artisans. Uh, and I know for sure that they definitely go down and do the groundwork. It's not just for the media. Uh, and this I can say with confidence because I work with their team very closely. Um, and... So when I when I talk about fashion revolution, I think uh, so we've been in an association with them um, for the past two years, um, and again I would say because they reach out to such a big scale of audience, it becomes it becomes a good platform for fashion revolution also to you know come and talk about the campaign. And now every time there is a sustainable fashion day, you know the the entire fashion ref team is there, and you we get a great chance to um, you know talk to designers, you know work with them. There's a lot of work that happens offline after Lakme Fashion Week as well. So I would say it's great. There's there's a lot of work that can be done. 
but from where they have started and to where they are also i think it, it's incredible also i think what's important is they've always had so i think this year lakme fashion week is going to complete 20 years oh damn and uh, yeah and they have always had a day dedicated it used to be called indian textiles uh, and artisans day or indian textiles day Okay. so this day was always there even before the word sustainable fashion sort of came into play it's just that uh it it has been the nomenclature has been changed sustainable fashion day only maybe a few years ago but the focus on indian textile or artisans has always been there what i would say is um there's a lot of other aspects to sustainable fashion and not just indian textiles maybe that is something that a lot of people feel about that you know nobody is talking about uh maybe recycled fabrics or um you need other techniques upcycling or um, you know all of the other techniques that generally fall under uh, the entire realm of sustainable fashion so generally those things are not touched upon as much it's mostly the focus on indian textiles but that's because that's how that day has been for so long right so yeah Yeah, I guess it's just my my like critical side is like, you know, there's all these incredible like I absolutely think this is amazing that we have this because this isn't happening around the world. Um so the fact that, you know, a major platform like Black May Fashion Week is able to provide or offer a whole day dedicated to just sustainability in the fashion industry, specifically in India, I think is amazing. I guess mm. my critical side is like you know there's these incredible smaller brands that get represented on that one day but it's still not enough visibility for them to really scale or for them really to connect with consumers that are coming on site and also the second thing to that is that i find that the audience level uh, decreases on sustainable fashion day so you know i'm curious to like you know if if it were to be more integrated throughout um you know maybe there would be more mainstream audiences being able to connect with these brands because I mean at the end of the day that is the biggest issue right it's like the conscious consuming market is aware of these brands and if they're not aware of them they're continuously searching for them you know that's why you exist fair trunk exists so that people can find these brands but if you know if there's just mainstream shoppers who aren't coming to that fashion that sustainable fashion day but are coming every other day of the week they're not getting to connect with those smaller brands or understand how much how how beautiful and innovative and and socially impactful those brands are um so i guess that's like my little like wah, wah side of me where i'm just like <laughs> i wish there was more visibility but yeah. i do think it it's really powerful that we're getting there and thank you also for giving a history on sustainable fashion day because i actually had no idea that um you know traditionally it was always just kind of about like the indian textiles so it's great that they've yeah. been able to evolve and you know offer things like the circular fashion challenge and all that right. kind of stuff so that's really cool and uh, will you it be in so in fact uh, the, the last year there was stencil who had sponsored the decor right. that's yes. one of the sponsors and uh, there was this 10000 meters of fabric that was used uh, for decor at the venue and we did a project with fashrev uh, sorry so we did a project with lakme fashion week as fashion revolution mm-hmm. uh, where we identified three designers and we used all of that fabric to upcycle it and the entire collection uh, was then showcased at the next season so even from uh, you know an upcycling perspective or different ways of sustainability i think fashion has been able to also contribute uh, to to activate these sort of partnerships and collaborations that also showcase that so much is also available from fabric that is just used for decor absolutely so uh, yeah but i do somehow agree with you uh, and this is not just like a fashion week i think i think overall um, it's important for sustainable fashion brands to be next to mainstream brands otherwise we would just really end up working in our own little bubble and you know the outside world would never so there's a lot of mixed uh, people i think fear also that they will be diluted when they are sitting next to uh, you know a, a conventional brand but right. that will be the way to go i mean we cannot be working in our own bubble we would never be able to convert somebody who has no idea or no access to what sustainable fashion is so that's definitely a way for everybody to consider yeah i mean to me design and the art of fashion always comes first so it's like if these incredible brands are being represented at lakme fashion week anyways it's like 
they're worth being there. Like the quality of what they're creating is, is fabulous. So why don't they deserve to be on a main stage with other brands? Because I mean, regardless, you know, fashion comes first. Sustainability should just be, you know, rooted in regard of, in, in all aspects of production and design regardless. And, mm. you know, that's kind of how I see it. And I think that's why I get like, I think that's why I get so angry sometimes because I'm just like, oh, why more, no, not more people doing this. But like, I, I get it at the same time. I get it. And especially when it yeah. comes to, you know, being able to pay a team and the founders and, be, you know, profit margins, you know, I don't even understand that from a fashion side, especially carrying inventory, et cetera. I get it. I just want to see more, you know, I want to see everyone going like uh, design first and, and fashion and style first, but that being completely rooted in sustainability, like it shouldn't even, it, it at one point it like shouldn't even be a topic. You know what I mean? Like it should just be yeah. like, it just there and it's part of every right. process. But I guess that's where we're going. I think I'm just jumping the gun a little bit here. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> For us also internally, the vision, like we have like a vision statement that says uh, that we need to actually switch from sustainable fashion to just fashion because we don't need an adjective to mm. it. it. That should be the new normal. So yeah, I totally, totally feel you. Uh, but I mean, in terms of, founder livelihoods I that's a big question for me as well because I've been without a salary for the past two years and I have no idea how I've been managing but um, I, I think it's uh, it's a lot to do with uh, branding at some point maybe because we as consumers still have that mindset of taking pride in carrying a certain brand Mm. So it's a lot to do with mind work than just product. Uh, I think when it comes to sustainability, the cause needs to really be bigger than what brand you're carrying. And I think we'll get there. I, so I started doing yoga like a month ago and I have to, yes, I, girl, think, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just feel that yoga is the answer for everything. And <laughs> we're just going to start doing yoga classes now with Petron so that everybody becomes more mindful. Yes, I love it. <laughs> but I think what you just said is very powerful though because it's mindfulness like being mindful of every decision every action every purchase like everything you know it that's what helps us move forward in creating this you know in, in just in sustainable development regardless of what industry or in your lifestyle like being mindful about the choices you're making and the impacts that each choice has um is huge and I think you know even though it sounds like silly to be like, we're going to start fair trunk yoga classes. I'm like, I totally get it and think that it's totally aligned because, you know, conscious thought is all about really understanding, you know, how you impact everything, um, regardless of the, of what, what you're doing. Um, Mm. powerful. Um, and you know, I, I loved what you, uh, said at the, at the Levi's, um, uh, panel discussion uh, a couple of months ago in Bombay when you were talking about uh, how your closet has diminished since you've really started and you know being yeah. on this conscious lifestyle movement. Can you share with us what you were saying about you know how I think I think you mentioned you only have like a few items in your closet now and like everything is swapped. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey to kind of before we close off? You know there is a new improvement there. I think now. <laughs> Like my parents and my in-laws think that I'm so broke that I can't afford clothes. <laughs> oh no. So they, they are not realizing the fact that I'm consciously reducing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But they just feel that, no, something is wrong. Like, you know, I think, uh, so Indian culture is also that uh, there's a birthday, you have to have new clothes. There's mm-hmm. a festival, you have to have new clothes. Yeah. There's a wedding, you have to have new clothes. So there's a, uh, there's a dear, very dear friend who's getting married like in 10 days. And I'm not really getting anything new, right? So I'm just like refurbishing or maybe just making a new blouse on an old sari. But they are going bonkers. They're like, no, you have something <laughs> new. And uh, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I did just stop shopping, you know. Uh, I've, I've been literally buying stuff only when I needed to a point where I started doing yoga and my leggings tore and then I had to like go and get a new pair of leggings <laughs> uh, but it's it's amazing to see that how much you can do in so little as well mm. uh, a bunch of my clothes are still there which I haven't worn for years but you know I feel that okay maybe I'll wear it someday so I'm not even giving them away but uh, I'm not even buying anything new. So, um, and I really, 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 really want to get down to, uh, you know, this Mark Zuckerberg wardrobe. I just think that's so cool. Uh, 
just like have four five key items um if you have noticed i'm generally in like a maxi dress and a shirt on top uh is generally a denim shirt i think a couple of times that we've met that's been sort of my uniform and i am gradually sort of getting into that mode where you know i'm i'm comfortable to know that okay this is what i am the happiest in i can literally stretch my legs to like lie down and stretch or just spend the entire day doing whatever and just bring about um you know a capsule collection that i can live with come rain sunshine winter whatever yeah. <laughs> so um i think it's very very important um to downsize um no because it just it 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 just brings down a lot of stress in your in your day to day life as well you know i don't i don't think as much what to wear anymore because there are like okay 20 30 items and just keep circulating them so life becomes easier at least from that point of view i think people should downsize if if you think that mindfulness is a little far away just like take a chill pill and maybe down <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what's one piece of advice you can leave our listeners with uh, in regards to you know taking that first step in downsizing? Because I know some of like, for example, like the Mary Kondo effect. Everyone just like threw out everything, and it's like that's not the way to do it. So, no. You know, what's what's kind of the first conscious step that you can offer our listeners in in making more mindful decisions about their fashion and even just like what they own in their household? I think the first thing like you said uh, so everybody you know who has generally access to a lot of money would say okay I'm turning sustainable tomorrow and everything from my wardrobe and from my house and from my kitchen goes away and only organic uh, groceries or only sustainable fashion is going to start coming in and then they go on a shopping spree don't do that I mean <laughs> even if you have the money don't do it it's just wrong because in your mind that's not sustainable you just went on a shopping spree and you know you had something called as retail therapy which might not last long uh, in your mind so i think the idea is to to definitely evaluate every purchase uh, the key even if you are a shopaholic is it could be online or it could be in a store if you like something don't buy it immediately i think just sleep over it uh, if you if you if you really really feel that i need that more than i want that only then go and buy Um, and I think there's a thumb rule. Yeah, there's a thumb rule which I haven't said. There's somebody who said I can't recollect the name of the person who said that. But oh, we always look at um, sustainable fashion as an as an expensive um, investment. Uh, but I think what we need to do is look at our investments with a thirty wears rule. So you know anything that you buy, you just like divide it by thirty and see how much you're spending. for that outfit uh, per wear wise so you know that would just help you sort of save money for that outfit that you really want uh, and to really take care of your garment you know because otherwise it's just like one wear and throw it and and indians you know also have a mindset um that okay it's only 1000 bucks you know ek bar pehen liya vasool ho gaya like i just worn it once but you know i've i've made the most of it so i think that mentality needs to go away and this mentality is still there with my husband and my sister in law and every time they say that if i'm around they just like have that face as if they've committed a crime and they have <laughs> <laughs> so, so like me my sister in law was doing a bangkok trip uh and my husband is like okay so what are you going to get for me and i'm just looking at everybody and at that conversation and then say like okay we'll probably not get anything only maybe <laughs> uh a thai fan i said yeah that looks like a good investment because bombay is so hot so i think just be mindful um look at the inventory in your closet or in your house and see what you wear how often you wear maybe a great exercise would be to empty your entire wardrobe and uh you know review your clothes in terms of what you have worn how many times what you think you're going to never wear but is in great condition so keep it for a clothes swap near you somewhere mm -hmm. um and then just be more mindful about your purchases and similarly with uh, you know if you have to change uh, stuff into your kitchen or in your house do a gradual transition because then you will actually realize the importance of doing that and realize the value of doing that as well slow and steady it's all good absolutely Absolutely. Thank you Darshana. You are so lovely and I'm glad I always love it a good excuse to chat with you about all these things. Absolutely. We, I think we had a little bit too much fun with our Instagram live. Um 
So I, but I know we got into some really cool stuff there. And uh, I don't know if your Instagram lives are now available on YouTube for people to access as well. Did you get those up? You know what's happening? Our, all my Instagram lives have been like so lively that I'm having a nightmare to like chop them down into a 10-15 minutes video. Yeah. So uh, that's still uh, that's still slightly on the way. But our YouTube channel is up. The first video is up. Uh, there are also some videos about uh, a few of our events in the past. And I promise to really, really put them up as soon as possible. I'm glad that I'm putting it out in the open so it becomes a liability for me to finish it. Yes, that's that's like this podcast, trust me. Absolutely. It's like, I have to do more. I have to. I have to and yeah. there's so many amazing people to meet with as well. So it makes it super easy to actually get content out there. Um, yeah. But I mean, as for where people can find you, Instagram, Facebook, website, where can we find you? Yes, so our website is fairtrunk.com, F-A-I-A. F-A-I-R-T-R-U-N-K.com. Our Instagram is fair.trunk. That is F-A-I-R dot T-R-U-N-K. Everywhere else, we are straight fair trunk, F-A-I-R-T-R-U-N-K. If anybody knows how to claim uh, an Instagram fair trunk handle, which is occupied by somebody else, please ping me for that as well. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The worst. You can follow me on my account on Instagram, which is Darshana279. That's D-A-R-S-H-A-N-A-279. And uh, if you want to write to us, we are at hello at the rate petron.com. Wow, I am on out. Look at you. (laughs) I'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes as well so people can get in contact with you. But um, thank you you again, Darshana. It's so lovely to chat with you. And I know I'll be in Bombay again soon. So looking forward to catching up, eating some breakfast somewhere fancy in Bandra where all the <laughs> yes. organic goodies are and uh yeah thank you again for your time really appreciate it thank you so much for this I mean you I love you you know that I my dikanai trip is pending I am still looking at your new year plans and Amazing. I, I'm still sort of bookmarking that and I hope I see you soon Thank you for this podcast and wish you the best. This is an amazing initiative. Uh, I, I'm just looking forward to who all you're getting on board to like make this my favorite podcast. Ha! <laughs> huh, feeling inspired? See what other impact stories we have to share over on carsartist.com. Be sure to subscribe for weekly updates from Grant and I about content, giveaways, and new episodes from Disruptors for Good and Impact India. Looking to learn more about social impact and conscious living in India? Hit me up on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. Cheers, friends.